Today's reading is from Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 to 30. I'll repeat that again. It's Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 to 30. It's found in the Church Bibles on page 1031. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up and read. The scroll from the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And rolling it, he found the place where it was written. The Lord of the Lord is, so the spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the freedom for the prisoners and, to, and the recovery of the sight of the blind and to receive, release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the roll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the grace of the words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do hear in your hometown what we have heard you did in Capernaum. I will tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not set to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with this leprosy in the time of Elisha, Elisha, Elisha um, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up and drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Before I begin, I'd like to pray. Let's pray. Father, we do ask you to be with us this morning and to clearly speak to us through the word that you you are giving. Um, Lord, may the the words of my lips um, be your words. And the thoughts in my head be your thoughts, that as, as I speak, it will be you speaking. Amen. Um, I'm sorry, I'm using a slightly different version. So as I, I repeat some bits of um, scripture, it will sound slightly differently, but it, it all means the same. Um, charities like Hope for Kids focus on the world's poor in foreign countries. A common criticism is that there are a lot of poor and dispossessed people much closer to home in the UK. And that's true. But in the UK there is a solid church, although sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but there is a solid church backing. There's lo- uh, the local mission is the calling of the local church. And there's a welfare state and a lot of charities working here. Uh, where we work generally have nothing... Where we work, the people generally have nothing 
There's no coordinated church support, definitely no government support. They have little or no income and are often in areas dominated by other religions or just corruption. There is a bit of confusion. I know the Hope for Kids, Kids Alive relationship can be confusing, but Hope for Kids work in partnership with Kids Alive around the world. It is their ministry that we work into. Um, but we started our, our mission here in the UK as a, a separate charity, but one that is totally focused on the work of Kids Alive UK, because Kids Alive um, International. So you will, um, it does get confusing where we cross over, but actually we are an independent charity that works into the work of Kids Alive. And Kids Alive, our worldwide charity partner, started with a call to go. Um, they started, as Ruth said earlier, that, that call to go was to China, and that was just over 100 years ago. And it is that call to go that sets the mission God has for all of us. To go to China or Kenya or Romania is God's will. He's calling. And it, but it could just as well be the call to go to the homeless in Chelmsford or um, in your parish to work within difficult areas or the call to your next-door neighbour. So my hope today is just to look at the biblical imperative that calls us to go, uh, whether it is where we are or to support mission worldwide. The way I would do this um, is to look at through our reading this morning, to look at Jesus' mission as it started, the very beginning of Jesus' earthly mission, um, just very shortly, and then look to the end of Jesus' early mission to see how he left us. Um, and thirdly, I'm going to fill in a few bits in between. So it, it sounds confusing, but actually I, I'm sure you'll see where I'm going as we get through it. I think at this point it would be really good for us to understand just who the poor are. Uh, the term poor is not just about possessions. The Beatitudes in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, they say that it, it is the poor in spirit. Um, those who know they have nothing to offer to gain their redemption. And that is a poverty that should apply to all of us. But in our affluent society, we tend to see poverty as having no possessions. About material things. But the world, in, for the world's poor communities, it can be emotional. So they get feelings of shame or inferiority. Or social, a feeling of isolation or powerlessness. Being poor, for them, is an inability to provide the basics that will keep their families alive for the next week. And this was true, just a short story, this is true for a woman in our Families Together program in Kenya. As she said, I cannot provide for my family, they are hungry. I feel so humiliated and ashamed. And that's what poverty is for the, for the majority of the world. So our, our mission includes the desire to help and support these poor families to support themselves. But being a Christian charity, 
our purpose is always to link our desire to help with the priority to tell them of Jesus. And in doing this, we express Jesus' priorities to mission. So I want to begin with the beginning, <laughs> which is a great place to start. Um, we read in our reading, Jesus is in Nazareth, where he grew up with his family, and he's in the synagogue on the Saturday, on the Saturday, the Sabbath, our Saturday, and he takes the scroll and he reads from what we now call Isaiah 61. And it's a prophecy about the coming Messiah. And in verse 21, he applies this prophecy to himself as he says to the hearers, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now in this talk, I'm actually focusing on verses 14 to 19. Uh, but we read on, we read 20 to 37 to show that those listening to his claim on that day really understood what he was saying. Their reaction was so extreme that right at the beginning they are trying to kill him. So in that very first moment. Here at the beginning Jesus tells us, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim, to preach the good news of the poor, to the poor. And this is his priority to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of heaven. But he continues, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. The year of the Lord's favour, this, this is a reflection, reflecting back to the year of Jubilee, um, which we can read about in Leviticus. It's a year every 50 years when the slaves and indentured would return home freed and given liberty. And the people and the land were rested. So there was no work carried out in that year. Now Jesus came to proclaim the good news, but he also came to be the one who will set his people free, to, to free the slaves. In John 3.16, John puts it like this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Christ's life was a sacrifice for his creation, a creation broken by the first sin in Eden that we can see in Genesis in the early chapters, a sacrifice of love that we don't deserve, could never earn or win, love filled with compassion, and mercy for those he created. His mission was not just to proclaim the good news to the poor, his mission was to be the good news to the poor. So now I want to switch to the end, when just before he ascended into heaven, and he left us this command, and I'm reading this from Luke 28, verse 19. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, observe all that I have commanded you. And the emphasis here is make disciples of all nations. How do we do this? We go, 
we baptise and we teach. And he modelled this for us. As we look later on in the Gospels, he chose the 12 disciples, he taught them and he sent them out. And then we read of 72 disciples that he taught and he sent out. And then he left the mission to those he had prepared for it. And from that beginning, the church grew. And we can see this in Acts and in the letters of the New Testament as the apostles and the disciples were obedient to that call to go. Wonderfully, it is his mission. But he wants us to be a part of it, to work in partnership with him. And it's now our job to tell the world this incredible good news. In Romans 10, 14 to 15, Paul puts, it, puts our responsibility like this. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So we've seen Jesus' mission at the very beginning and we've seen the mission he left us at the end. So I want to fill in the bits because that was quite a period of time. This is the mission he passed to the church. But interpreting Jesus' ministry has not proved easy. It has been the cause of disagreement within the church and in mission societies at least since the end of the 19th century. It is a clear mission command, but it has muddied priorities. So muddied that evangelicals believed that only telling, that is evangelism, was the way. And the liberal wing became to believe that doing social support was the way. And this became such a problem for mission societies and the church in the 1920s and 30s that it was given a, given a name. It was called the Great Reversal, as they saw it as a reversal of, general, of traditional theology. <clears throat> and mission societies and Christian NGOs have struggled with this through the, through the 20th century. And it has caused quite a bit of pain through cultural mistakes and misunderstandings. Getting it right is, a fundamental, is fundamental to what we do. What, what is our mission? What is God calling us to? And whilst the solution seems obvious, uh, it took some time to see, we actually forgot it is Jesus' mission. And we forgot to look to him because after all, he is our model for mission. Our priority is to tell as was his, to tell the poor about the kingdom of God. And each one of us here, the poor, have heard the good news of the kingdom, have, have liberty from sin, have been given sight in a blind world, have set, set free from slavery to self, and we've been saved. Because others obeyed this command to go, and that's all in accordance with Isaiah's prophecy. But also Jesus showed us another side to mission. His concern is not just for the spiritual, it is also 
the physical situation. And the Bible talks a lot about relieving poverty and caring for widows and orphans and talks about God's care and concern for the physical of the people. So showing God's love, compassion, is also a part of mission. Telling the gospel through words, but also through actions. Compassion is an understanding of and concern for the suffering of others and a desire to do something about it. We learn the reality of compassion by looking at Jesus in action. And this is a, sort of a, a memory test, really, for you. I, I'm not ask, expecting anybody to remember this, but last time I was here, I, uh, I spoke on feeding the 5,000 from Matthew 14. And the, the, the strap line of that is he had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And the reality that came from that strap line is that drove Jesus to teach them about the kingdom but also to heal the sickness and to feed them. When he was here, he met and ate with sinners. He touched lepers. He healed the sick and the blind and fed the hungry. He wept with Mary and Martha in their grief at the death of Lazarus. He drove out evil spirits and demons and there's so much more. Jesus, we, in Jesus, we see God's compassion worked out in the lives of the ordinary people in his mission. Spiritual and social mission work together. Jesus reminds us that you will always have the poor among you. It's in John 12, 8. And God instructs us to be part of the answer. In Deuteronomy 15, he says, for the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore I command you, saying, you shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and poor in your land. And in that, it was, I was reminded of Ruth, uh, on my very first visit to Kenya, uh, on the streets of Nyeri, which is a town about 100 kilometres outside of Nairobi, giving food and drink to street boys. And these street boys are... Um, are living in cardboard boxes or wherever they can find. They're living on the roads. Um, they're kicked, abused. Uh, no, nobody cares for them. And if you, don't, if you don't deal with them before the age of seven, they're, they're, they have a drug abuse which will eventually kill them. Um, but for the, so these homeless have no hope and they've got no future. But showing love and caring for them and feeding them gives you the right to go up and talk to them. Because nobody else is going to. So showing compassion, concern for their physical needs is, is a sign of Christ's love in us. And it means we can talk about the greater needs of their heart. Uh, in this way, we, we imitate Jesus. So how does this finish? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Or, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it's, Jesus says, Be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So where is our mission field? For most of us, it is the day-to-day -day focus where we are. But Jesus has given us a wider parameter. Our mission field is the world, and there is still much to do. 
Every generation is a new generation of people that have not heard, of poor who need to hear. And the continuing reality for the invisible majority is poverty. And this will be with us until Jesus returns. So the work continues. Jesus sees a spiritual condition, sheep without sheep, sheep, sorry, sheep without a shepherd. So our priority is to tell rich and poor alike that the only cure is Jesus. But I just want to take us back to the great reversal. It's the reason why I introduced it where I did. Saving only the physical part, physical puts off that dreadful day. We, we, we all eventually die. It's a fact of life. The fact of life is that we die. But the real need for rich and poor is the saving grace of Jesus. That alone gives the hope that comes with a new relationship with the Father, the cure for a broken world. But if you live on the streets in Nairobi or Mumbai or London with no family, no love, facing all sorts of abuse, hunger and even death, to have no help until you have heard a gospel presentation will feel heartless. I, a young friend came to me a while ago. He'd been doing, doing a course of um, evangelistic studies and um, he asked me, when should I give the food to the man, the homeless man that I'm talking to? Should I give it before I tell him about the gospel or after? It seems it should come before, um, after, because the gospel is the most important thing. And we had a long discussion about this because this is where this course had been leading him. And we came to a conclusion that you do it at the same time. That actually to sit down with somebody to give them food that they need, to give them a drink that they need, and then talk the gospel through with them seems to be the compassionate way of doing it. So both are necessary and work together. Compassion means gospel in word and actions. But the priority is always, as always, the ultimate condition of our relationship with God. Mission is a partnership, starting with Jesus that will take us wherever we are called to go. Our working together with the Holy Spirit can change the lives of those we serve forever, wherever that is, whether it's here in a parish or it's outside in the world. So just to finish, Ruth explained Hope for Kids' mission. Um, you, have, you have fallen in love with, with the mission, our mission in Romania, and you as a church are partnering us, supporting mission with us in Romania. You've heard, and you've heard the, the call to go because you've sent a team and, and I understand you're planning to send another team and to, and to build a relationship with Cami and, and her team there that, that is to support her in the work she's trying to do with those children. And we want to thank you for that partnership in mission because your support for Cami and the young people she cares for means so much to them. Um, to know that you love them and are praying for them and, and caring for them. And I think this is this, this is great great example of the, the mission that Jesus set us. You go in the love of God, you are prepared to preach to them the love of God, but you're also prepared to care for them in their lives and in their problems. Um, and 
I think that's where we should be. So, thank you. Let us should pray. Father, we do thank you for the mission that you have called us to. The mission you've called all of us to, to go, whether it is to the ends of the earth or whether it is here in Chelmsford and, and at Meadgate. And we do thank you for the message that it is, a, it is a gospel of not only telling about you, which is the critical part, but also a message of loving people so that they can see you in action through us. Father, be with us as, as your people and help us to have the courage and the, the, the love to go out and support people as you call us. Amen.